And just to check that's all recording for everyone. Yeah. I think we can make Josh after the intro like four times again. Just by chuckling. Yeah. I mean we could bring up his goose phobia again and then he'll have to do it again. Guys yeah. guys, please don't. <laughs> Quiet on the floor. Josh please. was bitten by a goose once, guys. Nice no, terrified of him. It was traumatic. I don't want to talk about it. It's for the outtakes at the end who, of the year. Who, who the fuck gets bitten by a goose? <laughs> How does that even happen? Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your usual hosts. Tom Mannering, Ben Porter, and Josh Hartley. Interrupting all of that. How are we all doing tonight, guys? Yeah, we're doing good. Doing great, mate. Yeah. You seem like you've got something on your mind. Is there is there something you want to talk about? No. No, we're 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 moving on from like the the incident where I got bit by a goose <laughs> in at university. Um we're not we're not talking about that. We were talking about that before we recorded, but that is not relevant to anything that we're going to be covering on this podcast, <laughs> wherein we talk about tabletop Yeah, but first games. we're going to clear this up, right? Because I just want to say, like... <laughs> I just want to say, like, pretty much everyone can list, like, a good handful of people that have been bitten by, like, cats and dogs, right? Maybe even, like, a mm-hmm. hamster or something. How many people, Tom, do you know that have been bitten by a goose? I can name... One person, and he is on this podcast right now. <laughs> Look, they're vicious. They're fucking psychopaths. In in a way, it's like, like a it's like a claim to fame, mate. You know, you are you're a unique individual in the in your deliciousness to gooses. <laughs> Yeah. It's like I feel like it, it, that, that, that goose was just eyed me up while, while I was on campus and just went, mm, "Gotta get me some of that." Yeah. <laughs> like, were you like? Were you trying to like, you know, eke it on a bit, sort of seductively? I, kind I of was. I had bit it. Of co- I, I did have it. I did have it coming. I did have it coming. What did you do? Uh, did, you, um, did you antagonize the goose? <laughs> did you did you make a comment it. about it? Like, oh, a goose. <laughs> no. Why would you? I, I, why would I, you approach? Why would you? Like, mm, there's a random goose. Better no, get up close to see what's for a minute. You, you, you were like, you're, you're did you think for a minute you were David Attenborough or something like that? Just absolutely smacked in your tits, running about campus making documentaries. Guys, you are asking an irrational man to rationalise this irrational action. Can you imagine like, like a, a no, nature documentary? No nature documentary like run by Josh. You know David Amber's got that nice, soft, soothing voice. You've got Josh like, I see a goose! <laughs> yeah. and, and every scene would end with, oh shit, and the camera dropping and him trying to run away. <laughs> it's that Blair Witch style shaky yeah. cameras. It's <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it's like not not threatening animals, like all sort of like quite tame animals based in the UK. Yeah. It's like foxes, frogs, foxes like not tame. <laughs> Relatively tame. I'm saying like not fucking lions. Josh, please, please like, do not approach foxes. Okay, don't do that. <laughs> I've got a I've got a fox that comes into my back garden regularly. Right, don't approach him. Okay. I don't. I don't. I learn from the goose. See, I learn. <laughs> anyway, should we uh, talk about yes. gaming? <laughs> we should. We should. Uh, we've got like a a main topic lined up in the chamber, but I think we're we're going to talk uh, a couple of like brief news items and shout outs. Ben, you 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 uh, you spotted something? Yeah, uh, two week. things. Uh, I mean, for, first of all, but let's sort of preface this by saying that it's been a pretty slow week uh, as far as tabletop gaming news. Combination of the fact that um, a good portion of the world's still in some kind of lockdown, and it is January, mm-hmm. so. It's you know it's just generally a bit slow at the moment, um, but this week, uh, Steamforge revealed the some of the pledge levels for the upcoming uh, Monster Hunter World board game. Uh, they don't actually have a date for it yet. They've just got April this year. 
Right. Um, but they, they, so we can't even back it yet. No. Uh, yeah. It's just it's just April twenty twenty one is all they've got. Uh, again, it's a humongous boxed game with a ridiculous amount of expansions. Um, and mm-hmm. then you've got loads of the big chunky monsters that the uh, Monster Hunter IP is known for. But after, I mean. It's steam forged, so listeners, you, yeah, <laughs> listen, listeners can't see the expression on like all of our faces, but it, we're, you know, we've we've all read this book before. Yeah, <laughs> like, we've all done this dance a few um, times. I think my my big issue with with sort of the model they use and, and Kickstarter is partly to blame for this. I've seen Steam Forge do it, Cool Mini or not do it as well. They go to there's there's too much sometimes, like from the word go. Mm. Like w- when I buy a game. I, I want to get the game, right? And I want to know that I'm going home to play everything there is to play for that game. And then, like, three months down the line, if the company brings out an expansion for that game, I'll get that that expansion, I'll go and play that, and I'll be excited about it. And then three months later, you know, rinse and repeat and rinse and repeat. Yeah. I remember, like, with uh, Wingspan, I remember, Ben, when the expansion came out for that, you were quite excited about it because you'd obviously really enjoyed the game. Yeah, um, sure. I do it with things like Legendary and Champions and stuff like that. But these... Oh, how are you doing with legendary and champions? But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, but but Steamforged and and um, like Cool Mini and, and other places, these are like you get the core game and then you get like eight expansions. And it's like if you don't have these expansions, you don't have the full game. So you've got to go in and they use kind of four more tactics to kind of make your bid at the top end. It really annoys me. I don't like it at all. That's yeah. I, I've I've got uh, I've never gone in for like these. Um big box games on Kickstarter where you get a million and one add-ons and extras and the like. Um, I have, I just, I, 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 I can't help but feel like, uh, are people not getting tired of this mm. stuff now? I mean, like, they're obviously still making money off it, right? Like, you you look at even, like, uh, Cool Money or not, put up a bit of a Diddy Kickstarter um, at the, you know, the beginning of the month, I think it was. And it, they were doing like mm-hmm. it was like a Looney Tunes and a Scooby Doo game, something weird like that. It's that it's still like racked up hundreds of thousands on that. So mm. there's still a market for That's, it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. I, I I've bought a couple of um, the I've got one Steam Forged game, which was Dark Souls, and I've since moved it on because it just didn't get played. Um, it was like because we played it a couple of times, and like I, I, for a dungeon crawler game, I, I wasn't particularly impressed with it. No, I mean, like, like there's some cool stuff. Like the you had the AI deck with the, the, uh, you know, for the bosses, which was pretty cool. Which which we did break. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we we found a way to cheese it. <laughs> which which in, in a way is very dark. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, you, know, like you find that glitch, and then you just exploit the crap out of it. But um. What one what I'd heard, I mean, like I, I know a lot of professional news organisations are like we do not comment on rumour and speculation, but we're not a professional organisation, so we absolutely will comment on rumour and speculation. <laughs> um, what I'd heard was that um, it's worth saying with the Dark Souls board game, we only ever played that first scenario. We didn't we didn't go any further. Yeah, we didn't dive deep. But, but what I'd heard from people that had played through. A, uh, more of the board game was they said that that first scenario was the best bit and the game just like falls oh, wow. off a cliff after that which again mm. is very Dark Souls but um, <laughs> what what I'd heard was uh, Steamforge had acquired the IP for Dark Souls did this Kickstarter which was hugely successful um, but they, they, they hadn't actually designed the game so after the Kickstarter they Again, the, this is the, I've just heard this like from one of my sources, so I don't I don't actually have anything to say this is a concrete mm-hmm. thing. But given the state of the game, it's believable. But allegedly, they hired a cabin. A bunch of them piled into this cabin over a long weekend and designed the board game. Oh and wow! You you have scenarios like that where they they can lead to moments of like mad genius. Mm-hmm. But usually, mm-hmm. for most people, they lead to shit. I mean, you, you get like um, 
I remember a cool story I heard uh, when I was watching a, a documentary like behind the scenes of Skyrim, and the guy uh, mm-hmm. uh, Todd Howard said that he approached uh, like the music director um, after they'd finished doing Oblivion, and he says I've got this mad idea, but bear with me. The Elder Scrolls theme sung by a Viking choir, and the guy went home, uh, like composed the music and came up with the dragon language over a weekend wow but, I can believe that I mean you, you... but, the, but the, this uh, Dark Souls wasn't that you know <laughs> yeah, Dark Souls was not uh, one of those strokes of genius yeah like I know what you mean like so it, it's, it's an interesting creative exercise you hear about musicians doing it a lot I think like one of the more famous ones is uh, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age will invite a bunch of guest musicians and they'll do the desert sessions where they just go out to like um, a remote part of like I think it's the Arizona desert that they go to and just spend a long weekend writing music together um, and it's very hit or miss <laughs> like but it's like yeah it doesn't uh, it certainly isn't a process that leads to consistency no. Let's, no. let's generously put it like that um, I've got a pal who absolutely loves the Monster Hunter franchise uh, Chris if you're listening hi um, he's the only guy I know who actually plays those games do, do we know anyone who plays Monster Hunter? I, I know a few people. I've dipped my toe in. I found it quite uh, grindy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's what appeals to some mm-hmm. people. Though. Yeah. I think a lot of people like that, um, like it for that. Um, have they have they hinted at all about what this how this game's going to work? So you've got a bunch of massive monster miniatures. And some hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks okay. as though you've got a map with a bunch of nodes that the monsters move over. So I, it looks quite similar to what they did with Dark Souls, to be perfectly honest with you. I was just going to say. <laughs> it's probably going to be a sort of boss attack type game. Yeah, They've just done, not, not long ago, they just finished the... Sort of dispatch of the Devil May Cry game, which was very similar. It was you had a couple of characters and you go in and it's just sort of waves of bosses and monsters that attack you. It just seems like they've got a kind of formula that they shake up a little bit, you know, put in a different do, flavor. Yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. what Steamforged are like? It's uh, I mean, I can't think of any examples off the the top of my head. Certainly not examples that like most people are going to understand. But they're like, you know, when you have like a really promis- promising up and coming athlete and like he yes. has like a phenomenal first season and then it's just <laughs> after that. That's been Steamforged. Uh, Ashley Cole, there you go. basically. Yeah. Not Ashley Cole. I'm going to cut that bit out because I'll sound yeah. like in, <laughs> like in, in basketball, <laughs> it's, uh, there's a guy, Kwame Brown. That's what happened to him. Oh, yeah. Like he, yeah, he, that he, guy. Yeah, yeah you, you know the one. He was like, you know, first pick of like first round draft. Can't remember the year, and then mm-hmm. he just like his career just tanked after that. And like so, like the Steamforge had the same thing, right? Because they started off with Guild Ball, which yeah, I I, I yeah, I've, I've not really I've not well had the honour of playing, but it has a it still has a fanatical following, even though they uh, they decided that 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 their own game was too toxic to continue existing and yeah. T- took it around it's the weird. back and gave it the old yeller treatment you know <laughs> weird it's bizarre right yeah. because uh, I mean I'm sure that it's no coincidence that they did that after GW like uh, put like the sort of like electric paddles to Blood Bowl <laughs> and like made that rise from yeah. the rise from the dead yeah uh, anyway like, it's, the, yeah. it's a really weird like trajectory they've gone through because they started out the gate so strong with such a great game uh, and then mm-hmm. they've released all these weird uh, like licensed board games it's because they made so much money I well guess, they did the um, they did the critical role minis that I got um, 
and after they did the initial two box sets they did like a year of resin releases one every month which i picked up as well and then they just dropped off and i think it's because the i i don't think they got the license renewed on it by um the right. global role sort of company as it were because i think there was a lot of fan backlash about the quality of the the minis on the first run oh i remember yeah. that and, yeah. and i think that's that's one of big steamforge's big big issues is they they under they over promise and under deliver um yeah. in a lot of ways and i think they just they try and take the the easiest route rather than doing the right thing mm-hmm yeah, I, th- I agree. So, I mean, it is also worth yeah. saying that like Critical Role have now established their own game company. So mm-hmm. there'll probably be a yeah. bit of that as well, right? Like, they'll just be doing their own stuff going forward. Well, they've licensed their, their minis and now licensed to WizKids. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. they announced at the start of the year that WizKids had got the license, but they're doing like the sort of plastic pre-painted ones, which I'd, I don't really like because um, I find the quality. I was just going to say... It- it's bad times when like the whiskies, uh, the whiskid minis are the better yep. option, <laughs> right? Yep, definitely. <laughs> no, sh- like the thing is, those whiskid minis like cost next to mm. nothing. So like, I it, in my head they almost get a free pass for not being as nice. Yep. But how much were people paying for those ones made by Steamforce? Well, that was part of the issue that came up. So the the initial boxes they did for each of the teams were like in the region of thirty quid, say. And then when they start doing the single resin minis, they started at about eight quid, but over the course of the year they'd gone up to about thirteen quid. Um, so they really, they were really. It looked like they were trying to almost kind of profiteer on it, because that's like a that's a yeah. massive hike. You know, it's an extra fifty percent onto the the price of them. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, dubious behaviour. Mm-hmm. Oh well. So, uh, in, in, to summarise, dear listener, uh, Steamforged are doing yet another video game IP uh, game, uh, none, but none of us are excited for it. <laughs> no. well, I'll, we'll include we'll include a link so that you can make your own mind up, and by all means, if uh, if if you do like the look of it, please let us know and inform us that we're morons. Um, Moving on, we've uh, we've got a little shout out to to give uh, to uh, we, we have talked? yeah. Um, so my friend Will, uh, who uh, works for uh, Games Workshop, uh, recently uh, painted a really nice uh, Gargant model, uh, and it mm-hmm. was picked up by the Warhammer Community Hobby Roundup uh, on yesterday's, which is Friday. Uh, no. We're Friday now, Thursday, uh, <laughs> of recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he had uh, a really a really nicely done uh, Gargant model uh, from Age of Sigma, um, and he, he got a little appearance on there and a little uh, little shout out. And that's his second time uh, on there, so I just wanted to give him a wee shout out because uh, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, I, I like Ben and I have seen the, the the finished article as well, and. He has done a very nice paint job on that. Lab. Yeah, he's he's done quite a bit of converting on it as well because it's it's got a sort yeah. of uh, gothic horror like pyramid head almost vibe mm-hmm. going, which is quite cool. Yeah, I think it's yeah. it's a re- it, it's a very um, characterful model the way he's kind of worked with it and and a lot of the little details really add to that like there's a really nice kind of ethereal uh green lighting from the lantern around its neck and yeah. it's got mm-hmm. blood on its knuckles and it's got like the statue from a uh, the hammer from a statue of sigma uh so it all all comes together quite nicely i don't know if he's if he's developed sort of any lore around this model but i in my head i'm imagining that lantern is like some sort of magical artifact that uh, some guys controlling this creature. Through. Funnily enough, uh, he's going to be using it uh, as a, an ally for his undead list, and he kind of wanted that lantern to kind of have a, a sort of uh, you know an undeady ethereal kind of quality that would kind of yeah, tie nice it into tie the, in. yeah, yeah, yeah for sure into the rest yeah. of the team. Worth also stating again how nice is the like garg- like that mega gargan kit in general. Yeah. I I I think uh, I mean this uh, we we still need to decide on this, but for me it was the the best miniature they put out last year. Yeah, it's uh, I mean it's definitely up there. It is without a doubt. Um, yeah, gorgeous mini. Uh, not really much of a mini. It's more of a maxi. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's still a miniature in so, in so lads, far as, big as a model of a guy the size of a building. Yeah. Yeah. To <laughs> there scale down, so it's still a miniature. Yeah. So, no. Uh, nice one, Will. And uh, look, we look forward to seeing more of your, more of your handiwork. Um, anyway, our sort of main topic this week. Uh, so... As of this recording, tomorrow the pre-orders go out for the new uh, Dark Angels uh, stuff that Games Work- uh, Workshop is releasing. We're not going to talk about that, though. Um, what we are going to talk about is uh, Dark Angels... I think I'm not, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, is within the Warhammer 40k community are um, probably one of the most hated factions... People, people love to They're bash the on them. boys for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I thought it would be interesting to gather our thoughts and uh, see what if uh, everyone, what some of their like some of the factions that from different games and settings that they just love to hate. Um. And this give like, there's no real rules behind this. Um. Could be the fluff behind them. Could be annoying to play against. Um, whatever, anything goes. Um, so I'm gonna kick things off. Uh, a system we've all played and is dear to us all: Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah. High elves, right? Snooty, arrogant, borderline fascist. But Games Workshop didn't quite have the gonads to go all in on that. Or made the right <laughs> like, decision not to go all in on that. <laughs> I think that would have been an interesting thing for them. Like, they, they they look like good guys, but secretly they're really bad. I think that would have been quite cool. Um, mind you, they're kind of doing that with, like, all the Imperium factions in 40k anyway, so... Uh, might have been a bit too similar for them. Uh, and to top it off... They were horrible to play against. They were just yep. you, you couldn't do anything. I remember the the swordmasters where they had the, the they were like the only great weapon team that still hit you first, despite the fact they had yep. great weapons. And like even if you had a higher initiative and everything, it was just so janky back in the day. Yeah, uh, yeah, they had. Um, oh, who was the guy who wrote their army book? Matt Ward, of course. Matt Ward, the notorious. Yeah. That's it. It's the notorious Matt he, Ward. A name that strikes did, fear. Yeah. Toward, <laughs> towards the end, he wrote all of the elf books, and with the mm-hmm. exception of Wood Elves, like Dark Elves and High Elves, were both nasty, nasty, nasty. Um, and Wood Elves weren't bad either. Yeah, but the, I mean, like not to the extent that Dark Elves and High Elves were brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was um, so for me. It's like it was. It, it, it was like a combo of the fact that um, it, it it like horrible to play against, and in law they're they're a bunch of douchebags. So like, yeah, that's I mean, fair. They, they've got some interest in lore as well. Like you know, like Tyrion and Teclas were both quite interesting characters, and it, mm-hmm. it's quite quite nice to see that they they've carried them over. Um, I think I think in the old world the uh, the high elves had some really interesting stuff, but yeah, the I, I like the fact they did lean into the fact that they were pretty horrible, and uh, obviously as a a dwarf player, I was always pretty happy to see them get a, a tanking, get a thrashing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take take this opportunity to remind everyone that the dwarfs won the war of the beards. Forced the elves out of the old world. Cheerio. Why did they call that the the War of the Beard? Only one side had beards. Like, right. It's not like elves were trying. Or did the elves try so and have the like el- grow the elves, beards for the it? Elves called it the War of the Beard, as a mark of disrespect to the dwarfs. The dwarfs called it the War of Vengeance, and the reason that it's called that is um, King Calidor the Second had some dwarven ambassadors sent to him to negotiate trade treaties and uh, he thought it'd be funny to shave them and send them back which is like one of the worst things you can do to a dwarf yeah so the elves 
you know, thought it was funny that the dwarfs were so insulted by this and called it the War of the the Beard, whereas the dwarfs called it the War mm-hmm. of Vengeance because it was like the greatest sign of disrespect that you could show, especially when you're supposed to be friends with someone, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I imagine as as a bearded gentleman, uh, Ben, you'd be fairly miffed if I broke into your house one night and, and shaved you in your sleep. Yeah. It'd be furious. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's irrational. I think, I think to get to get kind of st- would, would it be would it would it be grounds for starting a national like a, a a war? As comical as it as it sounds, the stuff about like the, the elves shaving the dwarfs. The there are a lot of cultures, um, in in our world and throughout our history where men were required to grow a beard or wear their hair a certain way. Um, like I can remember in school being told some pretty horrible accounts of the way that um, Orthodox Jewish men were were treated in, in occupied Poland and in some of the ghettos. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know the the Nazis did some really nasty things to them, and I, I think I think when you have that knowledge, and and then you see, um, you know, in in fiction, you know, like the High Elf shaving the Dwarven ambassador. You, you you then see it from both sides, right? Because like you see you see it as being silly from the from the ignorant worldview of the high elf, but you see the mm-hmm. horror of it because you think, Oh shit, you know, like I have got friends that are Sikh or Muslim or whatever, like imagine if something like that was done to them. That is just egregious. Yeah. Um, so it's it makes the high elf seem all that much more horrible for that. I was just gonna say, like point proven, utter douchebags. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you had a, a different suggestion for Warhammer Fantasy, though. Yeah, Skaven. Um, and the the thing is, right? Like, I mean, ev- everyone's got this weird sort of affection for the the little rat dudes, right? I mean, so, I think that yeah, law wise, I think they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're they're pretty cool villains. Like even down to the stuff like in in the old world where like you know, rat men were like this conspiracy reserved for like weirdos and hermits. But like you mm-hmm. as as someone reading the fiction or like being a player, you knew. So like it added to this frustration of like oh they're everywhere and you're not doing anything about them, and then <laughs> and then you become like the crazy guy like raving about them right. Mm-hmm. And it's another one of these weird things where, like, your your own real world experience is informed by something in the game, and that, and then it makes you think, like, oh, here here I'm like getting really mad that these people won't believe me about these rat men, and it then makes you think about all these like crazy people that you think of, and you're like, maybe David Dyke isn't so mental after all, maybe the Queen is a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> We've made some leaps in logic there. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to point yeah, that any, out. Anyway, back, back to Skaven. So, uh, mm-hmm. in, in summary, like, fluff-wise and with their aesthetics, with the mad, like, electric hamster wheels and all that great, they were one of the worst factions to play against in fantasy, without a doubt. Because uh, there was just hundreds of them, right? There were just hundreds and- of them, and they were so busted, um, yeah. But from what I mean, I I never played Skaven. I played against them and found them really annoying. Um, but my understanding was that um, it was supposed to represent the the clap the sort of claptrap nature of all their improvised machinery and weaponry. That it could be devastatingly powerful, but it could also like take out half of the Skaven army as well. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 not busted in the way that high elves were. Where high elves were like peak Warhammer fantasy, like playing against Mm -hmm. them was almost always brutal. Uh, Skaven could backfire on the Skaven player, but equally they did have characters that cost like twenty points, and you could equip them with like fifteen point items and like take out an entire like elite unit. It was the Doom Rocket, wasn't it? Fabled Doom Rocket, yeah. Yeah, or the. Yeah, what were they thinking? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I think I think I'd be on the same page as you if we had in like our in our gaming group like back when we were playing eighth, if we had a Skaven player, but we didn't. 
But who did we so have that played I, high elves? Uh, Stuart played high elves, did he not? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, there was someone else. I'm sure we had like there was a few people who played high elves. Are the ones that like stick it out in my mind as that? Oh God, here we go again. Like. <laughs> It's, it is worth also saying that as much as people get misty-eyed about Warhammer Fantasy, that was a horribly balanced game. It was really badly designed. No, it it, it, it was not balanced even remotely. Not even in like the way that like Age of Sigmar and 40k, they're not balanced games, but my god, they're a lot better <laughs> than Warhammer 8. Yeah, like, part, part, of it, part of it was like they were in the middle of the Tom Kirby years, right? And Tom Kirby's mantra was like, yeah. make toy soldiers end of. Mm-hmm. So it meant that, like, game design and that took a bit of a back seat uh, to, to um, like, the miniature production side of things. But the uh, mm-hmm. I get really annoyed when, like, you see people on Age of Sigmar threads, like, bring back Warhammer Fantasy. It's like, no, this is just your nostalgia talk, and it is not as good as you remember it. Well, we're going to, I mean,. Uh, I'm I'm personally intrigued to see what uh, Warhammer the Old World is going to look like, and um, I hope it calls back to that era, but doesn't have the like has proper rules <laughs> written for it. Yeah. And like, what, what, um, what are your thoughts on Warhammer Fantasy, Tom? Uh, as in factions, um, or just in general? Well, just uh, I I feel like we're like kind of summing up like, I think we all agree that High Elves and Skaven were like the worst offenders but do you do so I you... think f- fluff wise uh, so the additional war you're referring to was, was sort of when I worked at Games Workshop yeah. mm-hmm. and they were two factions that were frequently kind of called out by people as being busted so I think that's fairly uh, consistent I actually they're not my least favourite faction um oh. But mine isn't because of rules. Mine is fluff and aesthetic, and mine was Lizardmen. I despise Lizardmen in old world what? fantasy. Absolutely despise them. I I don't like the aesthetic. I don't like most of the models. Um, I didn't particularly like their backstory. I think frogs on thrones flying around are ridiculous. You're abs- you're, no. like, I just every if I if I set down my armor, I, I played like these kind of grounded dwarves. You know, my my, my mm-hmm. dwarves were quite gritty. And I'd sort of set them down on the board and be like, here's my dwarf army. And a guy would be like, here's my dinosaurs and my fat frog on a throne. And I'd be like, no, no, I just, my head just cannot take this. It's stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, like, this is it. Like, I, 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 you, you're saying an army of dinosaurs. And I think that sounds amazing. <laughs> so it, it doesn't, and, and it's a personal thing, but it yeah. does not sync with my view of the old world. I accept the new world, Lustria, was a, was a place. But I couldn't understand why. I certainly couldn't understand why the lizard men would ever come to to the old world, as it were. And the idea of a lot of the armies going to the the new world, like you, you wouldn't take a, a military force into a tropical jungle like that. You know, it's it's a stupid tactical thing to do. I, I feel um, like that, that that really, um, I think, underpins a lot of the the fundamental problems with the old world as a setting, right? Is that you, there there isn't a lot of incentive for these factions really to meet one another. Yeah. No, and like I think and the, the the issue with the old world as fond of it as I am, uh, like it was built over a thirty year period where Games Workshop were quote unquote borrowing, like <laughs> wholesale ripping off, frankly, like elements from almost every facet of fantasy fiction. Yeah. yeah. And they're trying to cram it into this one planet. Uh, so, yeah, it it, it it did end up being very patchwork. Um, so I, I, I will give you that. Um, I still think they're a really cool army, though. Yeah, um, I never I never liked them. I didn't like Skinks. I know a lot of people really liked Skinks. I didn't like Saurus. Um, I like, don't get me wrong, I love dinosaurs in my fantasy. Not necessarily Warhammer, mm. but fantasy in general. Um, although I tend, to, if I'm running, like, for example, a role-playing game with dinosaurs, I won't refer to them by their scientific names because that kind of busts my head as well. Because right. that makes no sense. It's more like how in, do you remember Land Before Time? Like the T Rex is called Sharp Tooth because it's a big dinosaur with a sharp tooth. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yes. Like that to me is that kind yeah, of thing, yeah how yeah. how you would approach it. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my take on it. I just I never I couldn't get behind them. I, they didn't feel proper for the setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the system itself was was fine. Like I I was never a massive fan of. I love Warhammer Fantasy as a setting for novels and and role playing games and all that. But as a, a war game, I didn't get into it the same way I did 40k. Uh, the big turn off for me was movement trays, which is one of the things I was glad they ditched in Age of Sigma. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I, I I think the the big issue with Eighth was the buy in, right? You mm. like you like you can you could get like a reasonable sized like at the time a reasonable sized Warhammer 40k army for a couple of hundred I, I don't think I'm exaggerating to get like the 2000 point like sized army for 8th edition you it was high hundreds like possibly depending on which faction you could be spending thousands just yeah, to like get into the game mm-hmm. um, so I totally get why they downscaled everything and went to for the more like moved away from like the regimented battles mm-hmm. Uh, side of things. Well, Matt, I, the, um, core, the core of my dwarf army, I think, was like three thirty-man units, and that was for an elite army. Yeah, yeah. My, like, imagine, imagine running night goblins, where you're mm. literally playing with like two hundred miniatures. Yeah. Like, and you know, individually, night goblins didn't cost you that much, but it adds up. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and let alone like getting one of the Albeit super nice, like Forge World Chaos Dwarf Army, mm. uh, that was that was the disgusting display of wealth right there. Yeah, <laughs> right? Been, that's a guy who continued now. Yeah, they have. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a real shame. There's no reason why. I mean, I, you know the the fluff behind Age of Sigma more than I do, Ben. Is there any reason why they couldn't be in Age of Sigma? They've I mean, never really. They've literally got. They were never really a thing in Age of Sigmar, right? Like, they made allusions yeah. to this sort of shadowy fortress that may or may not, but they, they never actually, like, featured, like, there was never, like, a story or an anecdote where, like, oh, yeah, there's, there's the Chaos Dwarfs kind of thing. Mm. That'll be one of those things that they've got in, like, a glass box that they just break if they need to, like, get a, like, make a, make a big sale off nostalgia. Like, <laughs> this is a battle, basically. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to sisters of battle them at some point. Breaking case of nostalgia. Yeah. Um, move, maybe moving on to examining 40k. Tom, do you want to uh, regale us on uh, your hatred of power ar- uh, power armor? Yeah, I, I, I'll be very brief because I covered this quite recently in an episode. I, I just don't like how many Space Marine factions there are and how much support they get. And it does tie into sort of Dark Angels and Blood Angels. I mean, we're on a new edition of 40k. We've already got a Space Marine Codex. We've already got a Blood Angels Codex. We've now got a Dark Angels Codex um, on the horizon. I, I just... Power Armor does my tits, to, to be blunt about it. Um, I, I just get sick of seeing Power Armor armies on the table. Um, I get sick of, you know, coming up against <laughs> mirror matches of, you know, one one marine force versus another marine force that narratively makes barely any sense although they do have the odd scrap these full on wars between the factions are few and far between Um, so yeah that's that's just my 10 cents on it I love the the different armies in 40k uh, and I wish they got more love as opposed to you know the poster children of the system I will caveat that with Dark Angels this should be like the last Imperium based power armor army for a little while. They've still got to do Grey Knights, mind, but. Black Templars as well. They have announced that they're going to do a supplement for Black Templars, yeah. Okay. Space Wolves had one? Space Wolves have had. Space yeah. Wolves and Death Watch have had theirs last year as well. See, Death Watch is another one, right? I, I loved Death Watch in the fluff, but now they're an mm-hmm. army, and I'm like, why are these guys an army? They were supposed to be a crack team in the fluff where you got like five of the best dudes from all the all the marine factions and you sent them into like a tyranid hive or or an orc, uh, an orc fortress and they just went to town um, yeah. and now you've got you're fielding armies of them and i'm like what it's like the best of 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 the best like come on <laughs> <laughs> while tom is ranting about 
Power armor <laughs> armies. I'd I'd like I want to jump on that bandwagon to complain about space wolves. Okay, shoot. Yeah, you were really disappointed with their fluff. Yeah, and this makes me hate them even more, right? Because I was so bitterly disappointed. Because I think, oh, you know, I, I I'm I'm a bit of a history nerd, okay. Um, mm-hmm. so when I when I first hear space wolf. I think, like, because one of the, the names that the Vikings went by was the Sea Wolves. That's what mm-hmm. they get called. So, naturally, you think Space Wolves, right? Oh, cool. It's like Vikings in space. No. No. <laughs> the, the, the thing is, they're, aesthetically, that is what they are. They're as furries well, right? in space, guys. They have, they have <laughs> bangs. And they, like, I mean, short of sniffing each other's arses, they carry on like dogs. It's just the worst. Furries in space is what we're going to call this episode. Just FYI, um. I hate them so much. Like the, I mean, and like they wear baby blue armor with yellow bits on it. It's interesting because, like, I don't, um, I don't know what, like, the, like my main faction in Forty K is Death Guard. Like, I don't know if there would would have been anything fluff wise. That they could have put in for me to put them off, put me off them, just because I really like the aesthetic and the model range. Maybe, I, maybe if it um, was something like they're called Death Guard, and it's you know one of their customs is like you know, <laughs> for the T Rotigus, brother Typhus is bringing the yeah, crumpets. I'd, I'd love that if they all ate tea and crumpets. Head cannon now, that's official. Um, <laughs> right, right, okay, I've not made it very well. Uh, but the point they, I'm if, making if, is. If, if, is like they they have some like behavior that just totally turns you off that you didn't really they, expect. they eat poo yeah <laughs> i mean they probably do they're pretty rancid yeah that's that's true actually they are disgusting yeah. um, but um, so what what the, do what faction do you dislike then josh 40k wise so here's the thing it's i, I and it's not like i dislike them i enjoy making fun of the tau um, yeah the tau are a bit I, of a whipping boy yeah, and I, I, I love the fact that in every codex, there's almost, almost every codex has like a double page spread of art of whatever faction that is beating the crap out of the towel. <laughs> right? and, and so here's the thing I was saying before the recording, because uh, Callum, Lanky Santa, actually collected Dark Angels. And uh, so, so he, was, he was defending them in our chat. I think the reason why people love to hate on Dark Angels is that they are the edgiest faction in a, a in a universe full of edgy factions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Tower, the opposite. They're mm-hmm. the only, apart from the Space Orcs who are just there having a great time. But like, apart, they're the only faction that's quite like optimistic and almost like classic sci-fi. I would I would um, probably argue that the Tau of all the factions in 40k are probably the good guys most as much as they are portrayed as kind of communists uh in a lot of how they're put over they they are all about the greater good they're all about you know bringing people together more so than the imperium who are basically just the, the imperium are evil yeah well, i mean <laughs> i mean straight like, up the, evil. With, with the exception <laughs> of the salamanders right because you know like um altruism is part of their creed which mm-hmm. is quite unusual yeah for I, space I, marines I, I, to be to be fair, there there are a few Space Marine chapters that are, uh, that that do right by people, um, yeah. and then there are those that emphasis on a few blindly. though because they're pretty yeah. horrible guys. <laughs> like you're gonna look at like stuff like the the Black Templars who are these you know religious zealots who who basically crucify anybody who shows any signs of like uh, connection to the warp or anything mm-hmm. like that, including other Marines. Uh, and innocent citizens of the Imperium. You know, you've got the Inquisition, who the, the clues in the name. You Commissars know. shooting their own yeah, soldiers you know, on the it's, battlefield. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it is. It, it's a weird one because when they write the books for Forty K, they will sort of try and portray the characters in a heroic fashion. But then you look at the agendas that they're actually championing. <laughs> you're like, well, yeah. you're basically xenophobic like, conquerors. Oh yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's one of the reasons that I, I've just never embraced 40k the way that I've been able to embrace like the like other Warhammer universes like 
it doesn't really feel like there is any salvation. Doesn't really feel like because I, I I tend to gravitate towards like the the good guys, and I know mm. it's not always black and white. And in many respects, I I think you know a a character that's striving to be good rather than a character that necessarily is good is more interesting and more relatable. Sure. Yeah. That I mean. I think that's what most of us are doing, right? What we should be yeah. doing, like, you know, we're flawed, but we're we're trying to do right by each other. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about it on the podcast before that, like, you know, part part of uh, I I think I think being a good person starts with like checking your worst impulses. Mm-hmm. Um, and so saying that to say those are the kind of characters and factions I gravitate towards and I don't really see that in 40k and I know that's what some people love about it but for me I struggle to put myself in that world if that makes sense no I yeah, sure I, I, it's it is a um, divisive setting and um, I think which I think in, in a weird way because it because it was built in the same sort of fashion as the old world in Warhammer fantasy was as in they just borrowed elements from existing science fiction but in a strange way when they combined everything it actually makes it a relatively like unique mm-hmm. sci-fi setting like I, just I was, how I was talking yeah, is. i was talking to i just remembered this i thought i should share this in the podcast i was yeah. talking to uh my mate steve uh mm-hmm. he's like one of my my clan mates from from when i played uh when I played Destiny, um, I was catching up with him over like the Christmas break, and uh, I was I was just talking about like how I was doing a bit of painting and that. And I didn't know this, but he was telling me he listens to a lot of the like the forty k audio books. And I was like, oh cool, yeah, yeah. Well, They're hugely popular, yeah. yeah. And uh, and he was uh, he says I like them. He says, but see, because he's listening to the Horus Heresy. He's like, see when they have those moments where like the emperor appears and like all these guys are like bursting into tears and all that, it just pulls you right out of it. <laughs> like, what's going on? All these, all these grown ass, like hard ass war machines, and they're just like sobbing because this disappeared. I, 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 I like to, I like to imagine a lot of the forty k fiction has a strong element of unreliable narrator. Yeah. Um, like, the Imperium's notoriously bad for record keeping, and uh, anything that the Emperor does is always portrayed as being absolutely brilliant. So, my um, my favourite um, novel series for 40k by far, and it's the only one I really read consistently, is the Kaifus Kane series. Because oh, yeah. to me, that is probably the most relatable and realistic interpretation. The way he sees things, the way it's de- he describes things. And the way events go down is probably as consistent to to the reality of the situation would be, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go, going back to the Tau, uh, I don't even hate them as a faction. In fact, they're, they're one that I, I, at some point in my boredom I will I will probably collect because again, like, the um, the model line in general is pretty strong. Like I love the battle suits. They all the battle suit minis look great. Um, I just it, it's just fun to to wail on them, you know. They're to me they are the anime insert for oh yeah like forty k. They are the you know I want mecha uh, and and I think really they should have been reserved for that. I know on on the last episode we were talking about the the new baby carrier sister unit. Um, mm. And I think things like that should have been left, you know, on the sideline and let the Tau have the mecha, let that be their thing. You know, sure. that they do the, the piloted Gundams rather than, than having them in every faction. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to move things away from uh, Games Workshop for a moment. And we're going to briefly touch on Magic the Gathering. And I'm going to say, uh, anyone who plays blue in Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll echo that. Yeah, blue uh, basically just stops your opponent from playing the game, just ever. And um, yeah, it is horrible to play against. It is a really frustrating experience. Uh, however, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ca- I'm gonna I'm gonna say when Magic the Gathering players like go into all the jargon and all that in front of people that don't play the game, 
and uh, and then that's like, the faction you hate is Magic the Gathering players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they like, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm cool. keeping this brief. I'm keeping this brief because I'm aware that you don't play. But um, I, the only caveat I'm going to add to that is uh, I have. Um, I am the embodiment of the quote, you either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain, and I now end up playing blue quite a bit. <laughs> so, uh... I, I have a, a non-40k, not so much a faction, but a style okay. of play, and I, I think Ben's going to agree with me, and it's going to seem like I'm... This is the guy who draws all the it's, cards it's and then can't like attacking <laughs> I knew one of you was going to do it. But it's yeah. when you're playing a draft game and some douchebag at the table drafts every card draw and you sit and watch them and I'll I'll phrase this as delicately as I can, you sit and watch them fundamentally play with themselves while you (laughs) sit doing nothing in the game that you wanted to play while they spend 30 minutes drawing I'm having such a great time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Guys, you, you you all know how I play these kind of games. If you sit down to play one of those games with me, you, you, you've got yourselves to blame at this stage. <laughs> no, no, we haven't, because you could not do it. It's funny, I, I kind of wish I, I could get a fly on a wall and have it captured when I play one of those games <laughs> with you, and you can just see the withering look in my eye as I die a little bit every time you draft a card draw or... Or you start doing that that particular play. I want to point out. I want to point out. No, the last I want. Time I want to point you... something out. You know, I want to point. So I'm. I'm just hijacking the the podcast. <laughs> what I want to say. Do you know what makes this tactic so annoying? Is that a lot of the time Josh does this and he doesn't necessarily win because it's not the best thing to do. <laughs> he just loves doing it. That's what's so annoying about it. Because see if it see if it like guaranteed a win, you could almost understand it. But it is as though he loves torturing people, and that's the only reason he does it. I would just like to say, Tom, that the last time you and I sat down and played Legendary, you asked me not to do that, and I respected that. You did, you so. did, and so. I, I do, I do appreciate. It. it was quite funny actually because there was a point where I think there was only like one card that wasn't card draw on the board, and Josh had Josh was like. I'll, I'm going to recruit one of these card draw. And the way he looked at me like as he recruited it was kind of like a dog that had just peed on the carpet. You know, <laughs> I am sorry about this. I can't help myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think like Josh told me about that last game. And I think um, one of the things that you said to him, Tom, was you, you said to Josh, you know, you're the reason that Ben doesn't play this game anymore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, um, okay, so, 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 uh, are, are we basically saying that I'm one of the factions that uh, people love to hate? You are representative of a faction. Okay. Yeah. You also, you also represent the guy who rolls ridiculously well. If you just, you're just really <laughs> bad to play games with. <laughs> I can't help the rolling. I can't help that. What can I do about that? Josh and his, his feel no pain. Oh, that's another six sixes. Well, mind, mind, mind. That that's not a rule now in Death Guard, so you won't have to put up with that anymore. Small do, do, you know, do you know what is a rule in uh, in Games Workshop games now? I'm not even joking. Is uh, complaining about your opponent's dice rolls. What? Oh, yeah. is this like a sort of community thing? Yeah, yeah. So in in the right. gen, in the general's handbook, there's a like a code of conduct uh, for playing the games, and that that is within it now. I would be kicked out of a tournament. Day one, <laughs> Mac one. <laughs> this dick won't stop rolling above four. <laughs> Carried out screaming by Warhammer clad bouncers. Oh dear. I think that's I think that's as good a point as any to sort of draw this discussion to a close. No, it's not. No, no, uh, because oh. you, didn't, you didn't talk about my favourite game. You dick butt. Oh. Yeah, Age of Sigmar. Oh, I beg your pardon. A very aggressive podcast episode. Yeah, in in my head, I kind of uh, like think of it still as like similar to Warhammer Fantasy. But what what is your most your favourite faction to hate in Age of Sigmar? Zinch. Okay, why? Well, because well, they're like wizard nerds. So there's there's that kind of I play Fire Slayers. We're kind of like the jocks, you know. Mm-hmm. 
slap those nerds about. Um, but I, th- I, th- I, I like the aesthetic of Zinch. I like Zinch and the fluff and all that. But sometimes playing against Zinch is soul destroying. And I think this was true. The... This was true of fantasy as well, right? Because it's yeah. like sometimes you're basically just playing against a magic gun line. You know, ma- magic is it? I, I was going to ask if it's the destiny dice mechanic. No, I don't feel like that's overly busted because that's that mm-hmm. is their like army rule. That's yeah. their characteristic, okay. right? Like fire slayers have got their runes. Um, it's a very good mechanic they've got, but. It it's just it's specifically the Lord of Change has got this spell called Infernal Gateway and it's horrible. Ah, big bird. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I so would actually much. say, on the, on the opposite side of that, Ben, you say playing against Zinch in Age of Sigmar is pretty soul destroying. On the flip side of that, I would say playing as Zinch in Age of Sigmar is pretty soul destroying. <laughs> <laughs> as we saw from my brief foray that faction that led to me selling the army <laughs> immediately afterwards. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. In hindsight, I think though, because that was a doubles game, I think we should have mixed up the pairings a bit. There. <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. I don't. I don't think there's a faction in Age of Sigmar that that I love to hate. I will say, even though like well, I, 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 I would, school... I would have thought, given that you guys have been you know a bit long in the tooth as far as hobby stuff goes, that um, and given that Age of Sigmar's got a lot of brand new factions, there must be something like aesthetically you're maybe a bit not. Well, what what I was gonna say is there's no specific faction, but like despite the fact I'm an old school like undead player, Nagash is a little bitch, like. <laughs> Nagash needs really took taken down a peg or two, right? Well, that that um, might that might be happening, right? Because uh, Teclas has called him out, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm gonna have It'd a be cool if it guys. was someone other than other than Teclas doing it, but I'll take Teclas yeah. beating him up. I mean, <laughs> right? secret, so. Secretly, we all want Gotrek to leather him, right? That's that's what we'd like to see. I think I'd we all that. we want. We, I think we want to see Gotrek leather everyone. I think we want like the Age of Sigmar Royal Rumble happen, happening, and like Gotrek is the last one out into the ring. Yeah. The commentators go nuts, claim yeah. they have never seen anything like this yeah, in their yeah. whole careers, yeah. uh, and just see Gotrek leather everyone in the ring. Yeah, Gotrek. Um, Gotrek is the Undertaker of Warhammer, isn't he? <laughs> he's, he's the guy you never get tired of seeing win. Yeah. Um, do you, do you have like a, a faction for Age of Sigma that you love to hate? Come oh, on. it's Lumineth Realm. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> for the largely the same reasons as High Elves, but just with sillier models. It's just the aesthetics. I have no idea what the rules are. Like, just see last episode uh, for for reference on that one. Yeah, click click previous episode, guys, and uh, we took plenty. <laughs> the silly Heart Brigade. Yeah. yeah, it's just just the worst. At least, uh, yeah, Chaos Dwarfs uh, wore the silly hat brigade uh, well. Yeah, so. you know they they rocked those. Uh, I don't know what you call them, kind of top hat. Yeah, weird. Yeah. So they, they kind of leaned into that sort of Babylonian aesthetic, didn't they? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The braided the braided beards and the mm. big hats. Yeah, I, I liked Chaos Dwarfs. They had a they had a, a quite a unique look. But yeah, I'm, I'm not. A, a fan of the Luminous. I just think they always look like they're going to fall over. Like the the helmet's just going to kind of <laughs> drag them backwards, you know, kind of comedy style. Nice, nice. As 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 a uh, as a right. dwarf player, when they brought them out, I was a bit like, "What the hell, man?" Because it's like the, <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 hammers and the horns and the helmet. That's our thing. You don't get that. Yeah, I'm enjoying watching Josh screaming because this episode's going quite long, and he's got to edit it. <laughs> It's we're we're over an hour long, guys. <laughs> like this is this is I'm gonna have a long Sunday morning editing this. <laughs> but we have apologies, Ben. We have now covered Age of Sigma. Unless you have Thank anything you. to add. No, um, I'm I'm finished. Thank you. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> and with that, we shall draw this episode to a close. So. Once again, thank you very much for listening, guys. What what factions do you love to hate? Um, have we got anything wrong? Uh, have we? Uh, let us know in comments below and on social medias, etc., etc. Um, and until next time, social medias. Care. What the hell is social medias? Social medias. Anyway, bye. Media is the plural. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> Thank you.